0: howdy hello Jake how you doing? good uh, I'm definitely
1: now we're both in the same new setup currently right uh if if you could call it a, a setup um I know we're we're both taking steps to improve our audio quality to <laughs> to extreme degrees. so
0: I will describe what I am currently. I have my laptop where our notes for the episode are my microphone and then overarching me is
1: my uh, down
0: blanket from my bed. Have
1: taken a similar approach. Have a lamp holding up a quite intricate um, setup over my computer and to my microphone.
0: Yeah, here's to uh, hoping none of those t- uh, tend to fall down.
1: So, you know, it's just that, that pesky reverb. Gotta do away with that.
0: Most people, I guess most people are familiar with that pesky reverb, you know?
1: I mean, you don't notice it that much when you're in Zoom rooms or anything of that sort. But when you're listening... No, I was making, I was making a sarcastic comment. Most, most yeah, people aren't. Well, yeah, most people aren't familiar with it. But, um, when you start listening to podcast audio quality, reverb can be pretty annoying. Anyways... You you can't... <laughs> okay, sorry, go Anyways, ahead. welcome back to Pick It. Uh, today we, ha- we have a great
0: episode for you, but, uh... I guess first, looking here, we have to do the
1: most annoying segment. You mean? Of course, he means the most prized segment, weather in America, and I will continue to fight for uh, the inclusion of the segment in our podcast because I think that people really appreciate it. So, what's today's town? Uh, Today's town is um, a well-known one. It's not one with a strange name or... Uh, an unusual, uh, an unusual history, but a, an important history uh, for America. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So this is a well-known. One. Oh, well, I've heard of it's, that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, is well known. Uh, it's the site of the uh, 1863 Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, from July, earlier in July, July 1st to July 3rd was the Battle of Gettysburg, which resulted in a Union victory, woohoo! And um, it was also the site of Abraham Lincoln's famous Gettysburg Address, all to in eighteen sixty-three.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you think the weather is there for today?
1: Yes, of course. Very important. In addition to the history, is the weather of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So uh, maybe not yet, but if we ever, if if we do have a listener in Gettysburg. Uh, do expect you know um, pretty average summer weather for the region. Uh, I would assume uh, high highs in the low 90s, upper 80s as we move into the weekend, and then lows at night and whatnot in the mostly in the high 60s. But it's it's going to stay that way. Um, may see some rain as we move into the weekend, but I would expect just partly cloudy, sunny, sunny weather most of the. Uh, for, mo- for the most part. Well, that's good. I hope people
0: are when they can get outside and enjoy that for those people in the historic town.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe maybe go out and camp or, or go out and, and enjoy the, the nature. Hopefully people don't have any, no battles, <laughs> no, no more battles for Gettysburg.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone will be using their muskets out there today. Or oh, the next
1: except for reenactors maybe people oh yeah well i'm do not do sure the if they're about right now i mean oh because of the whole human interaction thing because of covid yeah i, I yeah. wonder if it's had an impact on the i wonder the, if covid's the new cholera of reenactors uh you know uh, there's a there's a cholera reenactment thing no the joke is that
0: that would be a common thing in civil war back the joke was very oh. funny the joke was do people extremely- do
1: people reenact cholera do you think? Like how does that go? It wouldn't be pleasant. It would way. be
0: really brutal. Uh, oh. But
1: let's begin. let's let's begin with our topic of today's episode, the Confederacy and the monuments that it left behind. Because this is a hot button issue right now. Lots of people are talking about it. Yeah. So why don't why don't we why don't we give it a shot?
0: And since we do know it's a touchy subject for a lot of people, uh we just like to stress our opinion here at Pickett that the uh, Confederate states of America were the bad guys in the Civil War.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people would agree with us that they were not on the right side. So that's our opinion here at Pickett. Uh, But many have the opinion that the symbols created by the Confederacy are a part of history, shouldn't be removed, stuff like that. And who better to speak uh, to speak to this subject, then uh, our guest for today's episode, uh, Dr. Karen Cox. So we're gonna're we're gonna be we're gonna be considering the tough issues. We're gonna be thinking about the different perspectives. and, and we're gonna we're gonna look into how this can be dealt with. Okay. Uh, let's jump into that conversation. Take a listen.
2: I'm Karen Cox. I'm a professor of history at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and uh, I've been teaching there for 18 years going on, um, and I'm originally from uh, Huntington, West Virginia, but my family moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, was pretty young, like 12 years old, and so I've grown up in the South and attended colleges in the South, and um, I'm always fascinated by the region and its culture. And um, and so I was working at a museum um, called the Museum of the Cape Fear in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's my first professional job as a historian uh, many years ago when um, I, you know, kind of happened upon the United Daughters of the Confederacy. And, and that led me to uh, end up writing a, dissertation and then the book about these this group of women who are the ones responsible for the vast majority of monuments that are out there
0: confederate monuments definitely have a interesting past and many people when you think of confederate monuments the history behind them is something interesting it's not really what you expect
2: Confederate monuments started going up almost at the end of the Civil War. Uh, most of them were in cemeteries and those were p- placed there by a group of women called Ladies Memorial Associations. And then 30 years later, a new generation of women joined them uh, called the United Daughters of the Confederacy and they were formed in 1894. And they wanted to continue the work of, of the memorial associations, but they expanded on it. They wanted uh, there to be uh, they wanted to work in education with children, they wanted to work on pro-Southern history and et cetera, but the thing that they're best known for are the monuments and so they, um, if you look at the uh, the growth in the number of monuments between the time they were formed in 1894 and say World War I, um, you, you can see that The the rise of the UDC accompanies the rise of these Confederate monuments because they were the ones behind them.
1: I think, as as you said when you were introducing the clip, um, it's a really fascinating and surprising history. And I think a lot of people believe that Confederate monuments got their start during the age of the Confederacy, during the time uh, that it was still operational. Yeah. Uh, But it's... Well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, some... Somewhere, but but the vast majority, the like bulk. she said, uh, were created by this organization, the Daughters of the Confederacy, and that provides a lot of context uh, for for the assessment of Confederate monuments. Yeah, because then we can uh, look into these groups and
0: figure out what the group's missions were, because these monuments are reflecting
1: the mission of these groups. So, when you think about it, and and I think it, it's quite plain. It's revisionist history. It's people looking back at the Confederacy, uh, with a really romanticized perspective. That they're they're painting it in a positive light, when, uh, when the Confederacy lost cause. Yeah, man. this this kind of lost cause narrative, when in fact the Confederacy was something that that stood for for things that we consider to be quite terrible today. So, like slavery. Yeah, like like slavery. <laughs> Uh, big no, no um, and i I think that that brings up the question: Are they history? Because a lot of proponents of the confederate monuments will tell you that that they have bear this historical significance that's so important to keeping them in their their prominent positions and and their their parks and their squares, and it feels more like propaganda then then art from the actual confederacy and even then we shouldn't keep it in my opinion either way in my opinion it should go but let's let's take a listen to her give the the historical the, the historical context of this argument
2: the the thing is is that these they're complicated histories and so these symbols themselves are really like the artifacts they're not the history And so the art, but they're not the artifacts of the, uh, in some cases, at least in the case of Confederate monuments, they're not artifacts of the Confederacy, but artifacts of the Jim Crow period during the period of segregation, because the vast majority of them went up 30, 40, 50 years after the Civil War ended. So, um, and, and as I say, I never learned a history lesson from a monument, right? Um, there's there's not enough there for me to, to get a lesson, and so uh, so even say if if these monuments were removed, um, we will still know about the monuments. We'll still know the history. There are photographs. There's postcards. There's books about them. Uh, so we'll always know the history. Uh, the thing about something like a battle flag, which is the other kind of primary symbol that we we all know about, is that um, you know, that's a moving target. You you can't prevent that. You can't do anything about that. So if you it, even, you, you, can't, you can you remove them from um, public spaces like um, government property, which I would agree probably should be done, uh, but you can't stop people from owning them, flying them, you know, and bringing them into protest and, you know, waving people's faces. And and that's the thing about the the flag itself the battle flag the battle flag is one of these things which you know were were brought are always brought out on purpose to inflame tensions to inflame racial tensions and they did it during civil rights movement and and they're doing it again today
0: yeah so now that i mean we know a little bit more about uh, the context and the history well if they're history i think we can use that context to help Uh, definitely guide our decision into what to do because I mean a main option more context is that we provide context to these physical monuments you know such as a plaque like you put it under your statue to whoever say this is who this guy was bad guy the people that put this are the bad guys this is for bad stuff and so maybe people can appreciate more to art in that aspect yeah
2: Well, I, I, here's what I say that that ship has sailed. There was a time when people wanted to at least do that much, provide some context around a monument, but it was rejected. It was rejected out of hand by monument defenders. So we've gotten to a place where that actually doesn't work very well. The other thing is it, you know, depending on the monument, Now, now they've done something like that in Atlanta, they have some context, contextual panels around some of the, their Confederate monuments. But when you're thinking about, let's say a four foot by six foot panel with some material on it next to a 30, 40, 50 foot monument, it's all out of balance, right? It's, it does, it's the monument still has the upper hand, so to speak. And so the context um, is sort of lost in that, just that visual of a, of a, plaque or a panel or something next to this giant monument. So um, I don't think context in this situation works unless they're removed from the spaces where they currently exist. And there's a real effort to do that. Uh, But it's, it's, it's going to depend on, you know, every community that has one, is going to have to figure that out.
1: She makes an excellent point when she discusses the disparity between these small plaques, any context that can be provided, and the large monuments that still remain the center of parks across the South, of courthouses, of other public buildings, and also, uh, you know, you have the names of Confederate generals, uh, uh, other prominent figures of the Confederacy placed in the names of, of schools and of other institutions throughout the the country, but primarily in the South. And these are all components of a larger lasting impact of the Confederacy. And we still, to this day, continue to see an impact of the revisionist actions of various organizations like the United Daughters of Confederacy throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. So she's she's discussed this in the past, you know, the lasting impression of of their actions on popular culture, on media and enduring groups like the Daughters of the Confederacy. So here's her talking about the continued presence of Confederate revisionism.
2: I mean there are there are other organizations out there that that uh, uh, subscribe to Confederate symbolism, the the UDC and the Sons of Confederate veterans, which were the original sort of Confederate heritage organizations, um, you know, subscribe to this thing we know as the lost cause. It's, it's this idea that, you know, the South um, may have lost the war, but the cause was just, um, and it really wasn't about uh, slavery. It was over state's rights um, and stuff like that. And so there are people, you know who's continue to believe believe that uh, and in in some cases it's it's um, found its way into textbooks um, that that students read, and so you'll see, for example, you know I think it's in Texas, maybe you could correct me, but there was a this this idea that somehow um, slavery wasn 't a primary cause of the war. And rather, and then they try to avoid the use of the language of slavery and call it, call them servants (laughs) instead, you know, which kind of diminishes, I mean, the, you know, what, what was really happening um, was really going on. Um, and so, um, so that exists. So while those groups like the UDC still exist or the Sons of Confederate veterans still exist, um, in the last twenty years, we've seen the emergence of neo confederate organizations like the League of the South um, and and then you have all these kind of splinter groups um, that are out there and If you were to uh, visit the Southern Poverty Law Center's website, you would see a whole uh, a long list of these different organizations that uh, i wouldn't say they're organizations but just sort of groups that people kind of glom onto and participate in and probably float in and out of these, these groups, um, that are, are, um, identified as hate groups. Uh, and they employ the battle flag as their, or they, you know, as one of their symbols.
1: All of that taken into consideration, understanding that there remain terrible racial inequalities. There remains great tension in the South and throughout the United States. We were wondering if there would ever come a day that the lasting impact of the Confederacy is completely removed from everyday life.
2: Well, um, I think um, it, it has been to a large degree. I believe you know the the you know when you see these protests, you'll see people coming in from with their with battle flags and they're armed to the teeth with their guns and everything, and it's like, there's I don't believe that that those that kind of that group of people represents the full um the full south yeah the full you know because I think you know uh, people of your generation you know are i don't you're not eager to go join the you know u d c or s c v or yeah. you know the league of the south or stuff like that and you know, you've got a different idea about, you know, what the region is and could be and where you want it to go. Um, and I think what we're, you know, experiencing is like, you know, is that um, there, it's, it's people who want change versus people who don't want change. And I think yeah. there's more people who want change, honestly. And... Um, that are more representative, um, of the region. But as you know, in the media will you get the worst of it, right? You see the people that are angry and yelling at each other. And, you know, I think the vast majority of people are, um, uh, they're just not, no, they're, I think they're more civil than that. We've just, you know, obviously we've, we've, um, entered a phase in our, in our culture as Americans where, you know, everything's a fight and an argument and, you know, people are getting canceled and all this other stuff. And so I yeah. think that um, it would be nice to see us just to move beyond that right now. But I, I don't see, you know, I, I can't see it right now. I can't see where we move beyond um this incivility into a, uh, into an era of civility where we can actually have a conversation like we're having right now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing, I think. And I think what you're doing is representative of that. It's like, how about we just learn about it and have a conversation about it rather than yeah. arguing with each other and pulling a gun on each other? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that tends to shorten a yeah, conversation yeah
2: it does it does it kind of <laughs> ends the conversation right there <laughs> we were talking
1: to a, a, another professor just a few weeks ago Lawrence Lessig he's a he's a professor at, at Harvard law and and he was saying that that part of the issue we're seeing here is uh, the popularization of different media of expression that that force the shortening of of uh, what we're trying to get across so Twitter, you're limited with the amount of characters you're able to use, uh, things like that, that that make it really difficult to have a productive conversation. Some things can't be understood in seconds. They take minutes or hours to understand.
2: Right, which is why people get on these crazy long Twitter threads, right? They're like, Oh, yeah. I don't have enough to say that here, so I'm going to do a thread, yeah. you know, and some of one out
0: of eleven, or yeah,
2: one of eleven. I saw one of fifty-six the other day. I was like, if you can make it that long, you know, <laughs> yeah. But I think that I mean, one of the things that I think podcasts, I think that Vox video did really well in five minutes. Probably yeah, did did more to educate people about about this this topic than you know, and I think more of that might be useful um, where you can actually explain things and both, uh, by word and through, um, uh, by visuals and, um, you know, but I think, you know, we've got these, there's ge- definitely generational differences going on here too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because I, th- I think if you were to ask, um, people of a certain age, you know, they, they probably be like, oh, leave the monuments alone, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, younger yeah. people are going to be like, well, you know, if it's that problematic, you know, if it's if it that's if it's that offensive, you know, maybe they should come down, mm-hmm. you know, so.
0: And now that we heard a few points for sure, uh, we just wanted to ask a little bit more about her new book, No Common Ground, Confederate Monuments in the Ongoing Fight for Racial Justice. So we just want to talk briefly about that, that book, which will be coming out in 2021 by UNC Press.
2: I started writing this before the recent uprising over after george George Floyd's murder. so um, so what it was I'm trying to do here is provide a, a an overview of the history of Confederate monuments from the time the first ones were being erected up into the current moment in which some of them are coming down and uh, and to explain at different uh, points in the history of these things how how they get uh not only that early period when most of them are unveiled and dedicated but what happens after that you know and so the book gets into that it's like what happens you know uh how do people protest it how did african americans black southerners protest these things and um, um uh, and so um you know it goes it you know i go I have these little periods of time in which i look at it and then I've, you know, I follow the rise of the Neo-Confederate movement. um, And then, and and the, you know, the fact that it, since 2000, there've been 35 new monuments unveiled, uh, which is, seems crazy, but it follows along the line to this Neo-Confederate movement. And then it brings it up to the present in terms, I ended with, you know, like sort of Charleston and Charlottesville, but then you see one of the things that happened in, after both uh, the Charleston massacre and the Charlottesville uprising with all these like new monument laws went on the book to prevent removal. So cover that. Now it's like, I don't know. It's like when you have a the, an executive order just issued yesterday, it's like, uh, how do I wrap this book up? And so I, that's why I tweeted out this morning that ep, the epilogue of my book is going to be three words long to be continued.
0: I think that's def- that definitely <laughs> does summarize just the whole debate, I think, actually. Those...
2: Yeah, it's, it's ongoing. It's in flux. Um, you know, look, there's between 750 and 800 Confederate monuments. I'm not sure the number exactly that have come down right now, but no matter what, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. There's still hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. I
0: mean, it's definitely such a strange that there's so many. I mean, I live in Northern California, right? And mm-hmm. in my town's town hall, there is something considered a confederate monument there is a plaque to this uh confederate he's a defector to the confederacy that
2: yeah well so the the thing is is like wherever southerners migrated white southerners Mm -hmm. let's let's put it put it that way because we're talking about confederate confederate memory here whether they some some white southerners moved to the north to New York and to Boston and to and to Chicago you'll find Confederate markers or monuments in those places the same in the west when they went moved out west there's some there was something in Helena Montana and then also in California i think California outside of the south california has the most confederate let's say markers mm-hmm. you know th- of any other of any state outside of the south That's-
0: Yeah, that's really that's crazy i know it's so interesting to think about that
2: yeah because of all the basically goes of migration you know -hmm. i never really yeah
1: and and and, and, and another thing is even in the south there are places where confederate markers confederate monuments aren't really representative of the communities uh in which they hold these prominent locations so i live in san antonio which is a, a liberal a liberal city and we have parks that are named after Confederate Confederate soldiers or Confederate generals and, and we have monuments as well. And and I, yeah. I think that it's yeah. places like that where we'll see the government try and represent the people and take action against against those monuments that
2: one would think, but you know, it's it's the thing about these laws and the way, you know, they get applied. And then when you if if this executive order has any teeth to it it might override states state control we'll see i'm not i'm not i think this is just so new i we trying to and kind of wrap my head around around it but um yeah so uh yeah i mean even like there's this town in tennessee called cleveland tennessee where there's a confederate monument and there's some self-appointed militia group that's you know keeping guard over it that that town was Actually, most of the people from the town during the Civil War were like um, on the side of the Union, not the Confederacy. Yeah, and yet, you know, this—that history gets really twisted.
0: People just really need to take the time and figure out the history. You think?
2: Yeah, and learn, learn a little bit, read a little bit. You know, maybe watch that Vox video <laughs> again.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I was. When I first learned about the Confederate monuments and Daughters <laughs> of the Confederacy was that video when it first yeah. came out. So, definitely.
2: That, and it's
1: been a few, yeah. few years now, I think, right?
2: Yeah, I think it came out, um, yeah, after the Charlottesville mm-hmm. um, yeah. uprising. And, uh, yeah, that... Um, there's another uh, the uncivil podcast mm-hmm. we did a you know did some ep- an episode about the lost cause yes. not monuments and stuff but anyway yeah that's that's a great video mm-hmm. I'd like to you know uh, see more of that I think the guy who produced it um, is from Richmond Virginia oh, yeah. and uh, um, so uh, it's, it's just been interesting there's a, obviously a lot of interest in this right now from
0: yeah you know, a lot of you
2: know, all kind of, <laughs> all different places what do you make mm-hmm. of- including you you in california yeah (laughs) Uh,
1: so so what do you think what do you make of the the blurring of the lines that the the president seems to be doing right now between federal federal monuments like the lincoln memorial and these confederate monuments that are spread all throughout the country it seems like he's doing something strange there where he's grouping them in together and trying to protect them all when there's a lot of variation there and the the intentions
2: you're, well, you're exactly right. Um, I think that, um, while, you know, the executive order talks about things like the Lincoln Memorial or the memorial, uh, a monument to Ulysses Grant or something like that. Um, or, you know, even some of these to the founding fathers, I mean, he's, he's not distinguishing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, between, between those kinds of monuments. So you have, um, the, um, you know i was just talking to someone earlier about let's say thomas jefferson yep. you know or or even lincoln i mean look the, you know the memorial for for these people were for you know something larger than um you know their their contributions in some ways to our democracy whereas you know confederate monuments are um you know about men who took up arms against the united states mm-hmm. and um and they were fighting in a war had which had they won would have perpetuated human slavery that's a different kind those yeah, are different okay. kinds of monuments one you know one to our democracy and one to slavery you know yeah to slavery and also in a you know people who were to people who were traitors mm-hmm. to the united states
1: mm-hmm. our country has been through a lot it's undeniable we're going through great turmoil, but also through great transition. There's great stress and great inequality and great turmoil, but there's also great opportunity for advancement. We're seeing economic disaster. We're seeing social inequity, injustice. And in response to these terrible features of our society that are, to a degree, Amplified by the present COVID-19 pandemic. We're seeing people rise up. We're seeing people take to protest uh, against Confederate monuments and against injustice and inequity as a whole. And here is her response to that. Here is her lesson that she thinks America can learn from all that has happened this year.
2: (laughs) Woo! Just a... Just yeah. a softball question, right uh so um wow, let me think about that for a second. What do we have to gain from what's happened? Um, who <laughs> I think um I think if anything, I think there is a maybe if we've gained some sort of perspective on on our country and our democracy and we and we've seen what's how it's being destroyed honestly Mm -hmm. that perhaps it'll you know make people stop to think about this country and what it means to them and you know if the 143,000 as of today people dying um, from COVID Mm -hmm. is acceptable or that you send in, you know, federal troops in unmarked vans and snatch people off the street. Is that acceptable? Is it acceptable that, you know, while some people have, um, you know, benefited clearly from this while others have suffered is that acceptable is that our is that a a democracy um so i you know i my hope would be that people would give more thought to that is that is this is this really you know as as fannie lou hamer said is this america Mm -hmm. you know um you had to go back and watch Fannie Lou Hamer's speech before the Democratic National Convention. But is this America?
0: Yeah.
2: And I, I, I'll i leave it with that. All right, then. It's been good talking to you. Sure. You all have a thank good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, of course, to Dr. Cox for coming on the show. It was great to speak with her. Very much so.
0: And as always, thank you our listeners. Yeah, you. So much for our continued support and for listening to Picket. If you'd like to stay up to date on the latest developments over here at Picket HQ, you can find us on Instagram at and Twitter at Picket Podcast. There's no space between that. Picket Podcast.
1: We're so, so, so very busy. Uh, so, if you want to see us opening new Picket locations and uh, interviewing heads of state and uh things like that you know very successful journalists yeah the times and square
0: office just opened the other day the times square
1: office out? yes the times square office just opened we're actually thinking of constructing a whole picket podcast city somewhere yeah. out in the desert uh you know yeah you know you know where they do burning man it's called picket man it's a giant picket fence yes it's, <laughs> <laughs> the picket fences the headquarters is just a giant picket fence and the buildings are in the picket fence right yeah so you have all these skyscrapers and then little bridges and they form they for if you okay and if you'd like to contact us with any questions or comments you can visit our website at picketpodcast.com maybe even some ideas for for picket <laughs> hq right picket garden yeah. sculptures i'm, thi- I'm like thinking that. i'm
0: thinking Co- i'm thinking coach i coachella meets the white
1: house Willy Wonka's with the, the cho- Willy Wonka's chocolate yeah, actor. Yeah,
0: like Willy Wonka's.
1: But politics. And like, we're going to have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, we'll see you next time on the picket fence with us.